pleased to share with us this morning. Thanks, Jesus, for George and the blessing that he is uh, to this fellowship, Father. We give thanks for him, Lord, and we eagerly anticipate what he has to say this morning. Amen. Well, <clears throat> this morning, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, Alan shared the vision with you, and uh, we're looking at four different topics, and uh, um, I'm looking at loving God this morning. There's three more to come over the next few weeks. I have to say it's been quite a challenging, a bit more challenging than I first expected. And uh, it's so easy to say, I love God. But do we really? It's not something that many people would be prepared to be honest about. You see, it's not an option. It's not optional, it's, this is a command. I believe we can only love God if we have, an ex have had an experience of him and an understanding <coughs> that God has always and will always love us first and foremost. So you need that relationship with God first. You have to experience an encounter with Jesus. If we look at 1 John 4, 7 to 10 and 19 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then on to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Uh, verses 9 and 10 clearly says that God first loves us. God first loved us. So when you get that uh, situation, there has to be a response. And what is our response? This is about having a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, some of you may really struggle with the very concept of loving a Father God because your relationship with your earthly father was far from loving. And unfortunately, that's quite a common um, thing. So if you're in that place, seek help from mature Christians that you can trust. And there will be people here at the end of the service that can pray with you if you wish. But remember, God has made the first move. He's shown how, 
how much he loves us by sending his son to redeem us. The word command can also give us the wrong impression. We often see it as if we don't, if we don't obey, we will be punished. The commandments are actually for our own good. They are there to help us. Loving God, for instance, will give us the right way to see things. If we know we are loved, we'll have more peace. God is worthy of our prayers, and that will keep our heart right. If we look at Mark 12, verse 28 to 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. People were often trying to catch Jesus out by asking uh, awkward questions. And Jesus would normally reply with another question. But on this occasion, the answer was direct and straight to the point, no chance of a misinterpretation. You see, you can learn about God in an academic, uh, sorry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, was the answer. You see, you can learn about God in an academic manner, but that only uses your head knowledge. Jesus started with what was really important, it's what's in your heart. What is important to you at the minute? How intimate do you want to be with God? You see, our lives are filled with all sorts of demands. We're trying to juggle so many things at once. And it's easy to lose sight of what's really important. And I'm not just talking about worldly things. It's so easy to get so busy doing church stuff. We miss what God has really called us to do. And after lockdown, we purposely paired a lot of our activities back here just to have a fresh look at what is really important. But don't forget, this is a command. It's not optional. Are you longing for a closer walk? With God, are you content with where you are? Is it time to put your feet up? I'm not actually sure you can do that. We're all on a journey. And there's always fresh challenges. And there's more to learn. It's your heart, heart that longs for things. Question is, what is your heart longing for at the minute? 
And in this passage, Jesus says, your soul. This is everything that makes you, you. It's your whole being crying out for a deeper walk with God. And then he mentions your mind. This is the doorway to lots of other parts of yourself. Return to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. <coughs> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This passage talks about renewing your mind. That is probably the most important part of you. What you think will have an effect on what you say, how pure your heart is, and every part of your being really. It's so easy to allow what you think to have free reign. And it's also easy to get into false thinking. To believe something to be true when it's not. Check what you're thinking. Is it in line with scripture? But be aware. It's easy to find a scripture to agree with what you think. <laughs> That's not necessarily checking what is right. You see, renewing your mind is stopping wrong thinking and allows you to discern what God is saying. These verses in Romans do very much tie in with uh, what Jesus was saying. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. That is take control of your whole being and loving God as this verse says, it is your spiritual act of worship. And Mark talks about with all your strength. I think this emphasizes that you are doing everything you can. When it says all your strength, this is not necessarily about being super strong or super spiritual. Just doing what you can. It's a bit like um, the passage about the widow's mite. What she put in the offering on one hand was very little, but it was the very most she could give. It was everything she had. So are we doing everything we can to love God? As we touched on before, loving God is an act of worship. But I'm not necessarily talking about singing. If we look at uh, John 4, verse 19 to 26, this is the passage uh, talking about the woman at the well that Jesus met at the well. Verse 19. So the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are, they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Jesus is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm sure most of you will know this story. This was a Samaritan woman who uh, Jews did not associate with uh, the Samaritans and uh, normally a Jewish man wouldn't talk to a single woman on her own. But Jesus did talk to her. But not only that, he revealed deep spiritual truths to her. So it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is or was. Jesus can and does speak to you. Even through this woman, although she had a dubious past, her heart was searching. She recognised Jesus was someone special. She mentioned in 19, I see you are a prophet. Then went on to ask a very in-depth question about where we should worship. It wasn't actually the sort of question you'd expect to come from that woman. Verse 23, Jesus says, replied that we were to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. These are the worshippers that the Father seeks. You see, we live in an age where truth has become lost in an avalanche of information. But don't get sidetracked by this. The question is quite simple. Are you truthful? It's a personal question. Is what you do and say correct? Is what you say to God coming from your heart or is it just words? You see, Jesus revealed an amazing amount of truths to this woman because he could see her heart. Her heart was seeking. If we look again at what I mentioned earlier in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. In view of God's mercy, that is recognising what Jesus has done and who he is. A living sacrifice is how we live. So worship is not just sing, it's how we live and what we do day to day, how we deal with people. 
So when we, we talk about worship, it's everything we do. It's every way we live. It's very important how we live. It is so easy to, be, to come on a Sunday and do church. It's easy to say the right things and look spiritual. But God is interested in your heart. Is everything you do honouring to God? Loving God is an act of worship. If we look at another passage in 1 John 5 verse 3. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. We're not being asked to do something that is impossible. In verse 4 it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. See, I don't think we realise the effect in the spiritual realm our belief that Jesus is the Son of God has. We all need to be encouraged. We're on the right path. And the things that we do, which may seem insignificant, do have an effect, not just on us and those around us, but also in the <laughs> spiritual realm. Loving God with all your heart, Jesus says, is the first and most important commandment. You see, I believe that is because if you recognise what Jesus has done and who he is, we have to humble ourselves and put God first and make a conscious action to love God with every part of our being. So if you do that and have your eyes totally fixed on God, surely you would not want to break any of the other commandments. How could you break them if you were totally fixed on Jesus? So the proof of you loving God with all your heart is that you will love your neighbour as yourself. And that will be the next topic in the series. And I think Mark's going to look at that. Amen.